My turn. Hey, y'all. You know, one of the things I love most about the church, which, by the way, you can't, you can't say I love Jesus and not love the church. It's his body. It's flawed. You know why? Because there's people in it. <laughs> you know, but I, I love Jesus and I love the church. And one of the things that I love about the church is that when people go through things that are a part of a fellowship, we rally around them. We love on them. And so I need to take a moment before I preach today this series called In the Fade, which speaks of a time in your life where you can't see what's next. You don't know what's around the corner. You feel like you're trying to see through it, and there's a cloud that's just in front of you. And I want to remind you that God knows what's around every corner, over every mountain, but there's a couple of people here today, a couple of families that I want to draw your attention to. And before I start, we're going to pray for these families. But to my right, we have Bob and Brenda Jones, precious people that I've known for a very long time, that my father had the privilege of leading him to the Lord so many years ago. And this past week, I believe it was Thursday, correct? This past week on Thursday, he had a nephew who was... Um, 32 years old, 34 years old, who got in a car accident, lost his life. On the same day, Keith and Linda Hibbets, where are you guys at? Wave at me. Keith is right here. Keith and Linda Hibbets experienced a loss on that same day. Their 18-year-old grandson who had lived with them as a son his whole life was found dead in his bed on Thursday morning. This is what we do. We rejoice with those who rejoice, but we also need to mourn with those who mourn. And I think it's appropriate now that I need a couple of guys to get beside Keith, who's right here, right now. I need a couple of guys to get beside Bob and Brenda, right here, right now. Come on. Let's love on them. Church, can we pray for these two families? We have one funeral tomorrow. The other is yet to be determined. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, you called the Holy Spirit the comforter when you said he was coming after you were taken to heaven. And Holy Spirit, we need you to comfort those who are so hurting right now. Keith and Linda, Bob and Brenda and their families. Lord, we don't pretend to try to find the answer to why. This is a moment where we just lean on you. And so, God, I pray, I pray that your peace that passes understanding 
would be in these families. I thank you, Lord, for the testimony from both families of a profession of faith in those that have passed. It gives us hope. But, Lord, it doesn't take away the sadness sometimes. And so, Lord, we mourn with those who mourn today. Help us as a church, as a family, to carry the burden with them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for gathering around them and loving them. You know, I thought it was appropriate because it's what we're supposed to be about. Let's put our our arm around somebody. And if you don't know, then you can't pray for them. I asked both of them for permission, and they need, want your prayers. So continue to pray for them both this week. Scripture tells us that the verse that both families, and I'm sure you may be reminded of now that, that God works all things together for the good of those that love him. And I love how Keith and Linda were sitting there beginning to plan the funeral service and, and they turned to me, you know, make sure you preach a salvation message. And you didn't have to tell me that, but I'm glad you said, because I plan to. Because God could move in hearts and lives in the midst of the tragedy. And it was from this very pulpit last week that I said these words, don't you dare wait on a tragedy to turn to Jesus. Friend, it is much better to already be walking with him. Amen? So if you're here today and you don't have that relationship yet, I encourage you, find Jesus. Today we go into week three of In the Fade. I can be a little bit quicker with my message today because I'm preaching in Espanol at two o'clock and they give me like four hours to preach. (laughs) And only a couple of them fall asleep. It's funny, if you want a good laugh, Moises translates for me, and sometimes he does not want to translate what I say because I take the liberty to talk about him. And then he won't translate that. You got to tell him what I said. (laughs) We have a good time. For those of you that don't know, we have a Nepali service also at 2 o'clock. He was talking about differences. At 2 o'clock, we have a Spanish service, a Nepali service, and People even more different than all of those ethnic groups. Locust has a campus, believe it or not. (laughs) Uh, They don't watch the live stream, so I'm not worried. (laughs) No, a testimony to Locust just to encourage you because it's encouraged me. Around 25 or 30 people from this campus went out to Locust and stayed out there to begin that work Easter of last year. And they've grown by 100 people 
that were not a part of Greater Life in that Locust community, and to God be the glory for that. And coming from a church planter, that's really good. I mean, that's, a, that's an exciting thing. Baptism's happening and everything. We're just thankful for that. Here we go, in the fade. Today was supposed to be, actually all month was supposed to be a, a series on giving. And I haven't even talked about giving this whole month. They do the little offering thing, but how many of you guys know that that giving money is a part of your life. And that when you become a Christian, your entire life is submitted to the Lord Jesus. And I often say that the last thing to get saved in someone's life is their wallet. Because for whatever reason, we feel like if we can control that, then we still are in control. And, and, and listen, you'll say, oh, Lord Jesus, I'll give you up control in every area of my life. I, you can do anything you want. I will serve you. 10% of your income, 10% of your increase, serve me with that. Eh, here's a $20 bill. Here's a dollar. You see, when we get into a habit of tipping God, we've already lost. God is not one that we tip. He is one we obey. So today, that's good, thank you. I'll check the offering tomorrow, we'll see. Just kidding. But, but can I also tell you this? And, and I tell the staff, don't you dare go up there and do an offering talk and say, God doesn't need your money. Because he, he's given it to you so he could get it through you to do kingdom work. And yes, God doesn't need anything from us, but he allows us to participate. And, and you're looking at a church that I'm not coming up here and, and saying, uh, we, we desperately need, we cannot pay the bills. Guys, I think it's almost 40-something percent financially more than what we planned on, which has allowed us to give on the track almost $250,000 to missions. Mind blown. And part of that is this commitment that we have to an organization called Convoy of Hope. Convoy of Hope, we talked about it in the missions convention. Convoy of Hope has a program they call One Day to Feed the World. The idea is at some point, churches are encouraged to allow their people to participate in One Day to Feed the World. And because your pastor has great faith, I've committed $24,000 to One Day to Feed the World. Right after I had a phone call with Pastor Mike early in the year, said, man, listen, don't do anything else. We're good. Hey, Mike, $24,000 to One Day to Feed the World. It's coming. <laughs> But not only that, I followed it up with a, a conversation with a business owner, the guy who loads the, owns the building in Locust, that I call him, funny story, hey, uh, brother, uh, Greater Life Church is ready to match if you and your business will give to Convoy of Hope dollar for dollar up to 10, and I said it like this, $10,000. And he just listened. And he let me finish. I was pitching it hard. I was really going for it. Because if, if he matches, 10 becomes 20. And all I need is four, <laughs> right? <laughs> and he says, you know what? We will match you up to 
And so my $24,000 commitment became 50 because if I give 50, then 50 more comes in and it's a hundred grand to feed the world, right? You stop it. He's up in it already. He's just sitting here. You, you shouldn't be in here during this part. <laughs> we could do more. But that's why, he, that's why he's great at what he does. Okay, so here's the deal. One day to feed the world. The invitation is simply this. Next week or at any time between now and next Sunday, we want you to pray about giving one day of your salary to feed the world. Quick math. You make $25,000 a, uh, a year, that's 70 bucks. And if you make $25,000 a week, we need to talk. <laughs> 25000 25, a year, that's $70. And it goes to feed the world, which, by the way, Convoy of Hope is by far and away the greatest humanitarian organization in the world. They give, because you talk about administration, they don't pay CEOs and staff and all that. I think it's 1%. It's, it's so low nominal their operations cost. All of it goes to the ministry. Quick math, 50,000, that's 135 bucks. You make 100,000 in your home, it's 275 bucks. 200,000, it's 500 bucks. Do I need to go up any further than that? Anyway, if you're further than that, you can figure it out. Ask your CPA. <laughs> At the end of the day, your one day can feed the world. I encourage you. Pray about that. Make that donation. Everybody can do something. Amen? Oh, my goodness. This church talked about money. <laughs> well, you picked the one Sunday. <laughs> Come next week. We won't even talk about it. Listen. Today's message is a miracle message. And in order to receive a miracle, God needs your participation, your faith. Amen? Let's walk it out. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, anoint the word. Anoint our hearts. Use it, God, to stir us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. One final housekeeping announcement because I may forget at the end. This week is Thanksgiving week. Monday night prayer is, and Tuesday night bridge, and Wednesday night grow night. All of those are canceled for the week. Spend time with your families make turkey, whatever you got to do. It's closed this week here at Greater Life. We'll jump back into it the following week. Here we go. 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4. The story of the widow's oil. This thing is full of so, so much stuff. So much good truth. So I don't think you're going to get a nugget. I think you're going to get a whole chicken sandwich today. You ready? Why is he talking about food? Now I'm hungry. I know. My Bible says that man should not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. So pay attention. Here we go. Seven principles to remember when you're in the fade. Seven principles to remember when you're in the fade. Number one, your choices in life now have lasting results. Verse one says this of 2 Kings chapter four. One day a widow of the member of a group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out, my husband who served you is dead. 
Which, by the way, if he was serving Elisha, who was he really serving? God. Awesome. My husband who served you, served God, is dead. And you know how he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come, threatening to take my two sons as slaves. Your choices in life now have lasting results. And I haven't asked permission, but I'm going to take liberty. Megan and Anastasia? A little bit. All it takes in a family is one person to say, I refuse to follow the generations that have gone before me. I am changing it for the future generations after me. And these ladies, Megan and Anastasia, mom and daughter, got into this tank with the resolve to say, this is the moment that the generations ahead of us are changed forever. And so in, in, the end result of that is their choice today now will have lasting results because the Bible says in Exodus 26, I lavish love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commandments. Generational curses can be carried on. It's a thing. But how many of you guys understand that generational blessings is so much more powerful and lasting? Your choices in life now have lasting results. This husband served the Lord. So the widow of the husband knew where to go. She ran to Elisha. She ran to the prophet. In essence, she ran to the Lord God because God had provided for her while her husband was there. And she was counting on God to provide for her now. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, you may ask yourself, what does blessing look like for those that follow God, that obey Him? I'm just going to read this for you. Deuteronomy 28, if you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep all His commands that I am giving you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the world. You will experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God your towns and your fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. The offspring of your herds and flocks will be blessed. The fruit baskets and breadboards will be blessed. Wherever you go, whatever you do, you will be blessed. And here's a really good one. Verse 7, the Lord will conquer your enemies when they attack you. They will attack you from one direction, but the Bible says they will leave and scatter in seven. The Lord will guarantee a blessing on everything you do and will fill your storehouses with grain. The Lord your God will bless you in the land he has given you. Do we give to get? Absolutely not. And if that is the reason you're doing it, you're already in the wrong place. But you do obey God, and his promise is that when you obey and you follow in my commands, blessing will follow you. Number two, be honest with God. He already knows. Verse two of 2 Kings chapter four. What can I do to help you, Elisha asked. The story goes on. Tell me what you have in your house. Nothing at all except a flask of olive oil, she, she replied. And Elisha said, borrow as many empty jars as you can find from your friends and your neighbors. 
Then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it is filled. So she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her. She filled one after another. Soon every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her. Then the olive oil stopped flowing. Be honest with God. He already knows. Listen, it is not a lack of faith to acknowledge your situation. I worked at a church one time that the feeling of the leadership was that if you had a cold and you said you had a cold, that means you don't have faith. That's garbage. It's utter garbage. If I don't feel good, I don't feel good. Don't tell me I got sin in my life. Don't tell me I ain't got faith. How in the world am I going to get a miracle if I don't tell God I need a miracle? Come on. Some, some of you may be walking around with the guilt of religion that says you can't name it, claim it. Come on. The inverse of name it, claim it is if you say it, you are it. Be honest with God. He already knows. God is looking to you to be honest and to ask for him in faith. It takes faith to say, God, I'm broken, I'm busted, I'm sick, and I need you. I believe that 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 is faith because you're coming to the one that can help. So she says, I ain't got nothing except I want you to wrap your head around this. I know it's good because the Holy Spirit gave it to me this morning. And them last minute things I put in the notes, I feel like it's for somebody here today that you weren't going to be here today until today. You decide at the last minute, Holy Spirit, hey, get this one in there for that one. The power of the word accept. Listen, accept is the seed of the miracle. I ain't got nothing except this little bit of olive oil. You see, if she didn't acknowledge the accept, this little bit that I do got, then God couldn't touch it. Elisha, what do you got? I ain't got nothing. Well, okay. Have fun uh, with your sons being enslaved. Accept this little bit of olive oil. Don't get so caught up, friend, on what you do not have. All of us can get exhausted making a list on what we don't have. How about take a step back, another one, and saying, I don't have this, I don't have this, but I do have that. And this little bit that I do have with God, anything is possible. Amen? Be honest with God. He already knows. You have more than you know. She went to her friends and her neighbors because they had vessels to be filled with oil. They didn't have the oil. They didn't have the money. That is not what she needed. She simply need vessels. I have, I'm looking at a room full of vessels. <laughs> Woo! I'm gonna get excited. I don't have anything to offer God. I'm empty. 
Empty vessels is exactly what God wants so he can fill them. Friend, be empty before the Lord so the oil can flow. It's a picture of the Holy Ghost. Be filled by him so you can be used by him. God knew the debt that she had. He knew the challenges that she would have in the future. He is a supplier of her need today, and he can be the supplier of your need today. But it's beyond that. It's for tomorrow and even later down the road. The oil stopped after all had been provided for. Not just the debt, but the beyond. Which brings me to the third principle, living on leftovers. Verse 7 says, when she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, now sell all the olive oil, pay your debts, and you and your son can live on what's left over. I don't know about you, but there's certain things that are better warmed up. At my house, it's baked ziti. It's delicious when we eat it. But for some reason, it's even better when we warm it up the next day. God's leftovers are way more than your first and best. Ooh. I just got paid, and you're asking me to give 10% towards God? That's, that's the first. I've added the math, Pastor. It just doesn't work out that way. Listen, your first and best comes to God, and then he blesses you with the leftovers. You're going to want to be a part of that. Think of the miracle of feeding the 5,000. It was the leftovers that filled the baskets. But you know what had to happen before they had any leftovers? The bread had to be broken and shared and given. Then God blessed it so much that there were 12 baskets full of leftovers. Living on the leftovers, when we obey God with our first fruits, the economy of God brings us to a place of more than enough. Our obedience has lasting effect and it will carry us to our next opportunity to obey. Kingdom leftovers is way better than what we have first. Luke 6, 38 reminds us that when we give unto the Lord, it is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. God takes our little and he makes it much for the kingdom's sake. Number, number four, hospitality is generosity. Right after the widow's oil, we go into another story of a woman in a town named Ashunam. Hospitality is generosity. Verse 8 says, One day Elisha went to the town of Shunem. A wealthy woman lived there, and she urged him to come into her home for a meal. After that, whenever he passed that way, he would stop there for something to eat. She said to her husband, I am sure this man who stops in from time to time is a holy man of God. Let's build a small room for him on the roof and furnish it with a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp. Then he will have a place to stay whenever he comes by. Hospitality is generosity. You're in the fade. You don't feel like there's anything that you can give. You can be hospitable to someone in need. Maybe it's a meal for a neighbor, a visit in a hospital, a phone call to a shut-in. Luke 14, 12 through, 12, 12 through 14, reminds us to be hospitable to those that can never repay us. It's the parable of don't invite just the rich people that you can get something back from. Invite the poor who can never rep repay you. 
If we approach things in hospitality and our generosity, if we approach things to get back, then we've already lost. Money may not even be the need here. You may feel like, I don't even have any extra money. I don't even work. There is something that you can do to be hospitable, which is generosity. Now, if you got the money, make sure you give it if the Lord calls you to. But you may not have that. And I don't want anybody to feel out of the loop of the kingdom blessing. You understand that God is not limited in that way. But you can be hospitable and give of your time, of your talent, as well as your treasure. Money is not, may not even be the need, but a friend to listen to. The woman in this story recognized that Elisha was a man of God. She recognized in taking care of him that she could honor God in this way. Even this Christmas, I want to encourage you to give you a little bit of information. October is Pastor's Appreciation Month. And the way we do things around Greater Life Church, our board is so generous. We take care of the pastors during that month. We give them something special. They gave me something special. I'm so thankful for it. But as you're going through your Christmas season, remember the children's pastor that takes care of your kids. Remember the youth pastor that pours into your team. Remember the ministry leader that is there. Be generous. It's not, it's not even about the money. It's about the thought of hospitality. Have that mentality as you go throughout this Christmas season to remember those that serve you throughout the year. And let me be clear. I'm not talking about me. God has blessed me and Kelly and we're taken care of. I'm talking about the team. Care for them. When you think about them, care for them. If you want to give me some bubble bath, I'll take it. <laughs> Just want to put that out there. Oh, Lord, I'm going to have so much bubble bath. <laughs> Gosh. Oh, I know, I'm weird. Okay, number five. Number five, God knows you better than you know yourself. Verse 11, one day Elisha returned to Shunem and he went up to this upper room to rest and he said to his servant Gehazi, tell the woman from Shunem I want to speak to her. When she appeared, she, uh, Elisha said to Gehazi, tell her we appreciate her kind concern that she has shown us. What can we do for you? Can we put in a good word for the king? Or the commander of the army. No, she replied, my family takes good care of me. Later, Elisha asked Gehazi, what can we do for her? Gehazi replied, she doesn't have a son. And her husband is an old man. Well, that was mean, Gehazi. Anyway, <laughs> verse 15, call her back again, Elisha told him. When the woman returned, Elisha said to her as she stood in the doorway, next year at this time, you'll be holding a son in your arms. No, my Lord, she cried. <laughs> oh, man of God, don't deceive me and get my hopes up like that. Verse 17, but sure enough, the woman soon became pregnant. And at that time, the following year, she had a son, just as Elisha has said. God knows you better than you know yourself. The woman felt like she had all she needed. She had long given up on having a son. She was content with her situation. And all of those things are a great testimony to her. But God knew in her heart she wanted a son, an heir, someone that she could have to pass things on to. 
God knew that her husband, while very supportive of her, was elderly. He wasn't going to be there forever, and a son would support her. It was the culture, but it, was also, it, it is also something that we shouldn't get away from. Children, even grown children, honor your father and your mother. It doesn't stop when you're 18. Some of you, it doesn't even start till you're 18. The point is, let's honor those that have cared for us because the shoe might be on the other foot and we got to take care of our parents. Did I say that right, Mom? It's perfect. She wrote that part for me. Which, by the way, my mom's officially retired. Let's give it up for her. God knows you better than you know yourself. The woman had given up on this. I love this phrase that I feel like the Lord gave me. Remain faithful, be obedient, and watch God surprise you. Woo. Remain faithful, be obedient, and watch God surprise you. Number six, in the fade, no one is free from trouble. No one is free from trouble. The story goes on with the woman from Shunem, verse 18. One day her child was older. He went out to help his father, who was working with the harvesters. Suddenly he cried out, my head hurts, my head hurts. His father said to one of the servants, carry him home to his mother. So the servant took him home, and his mother held him on her lap. But around noontime, he died. She carried him and laid him on the bed of the man of God, then shut the door and left him there. She sent a message to her husband, send one of the servants and a donkey so that I can hurry to the man of God and come right back. Why go today, he asked. It is neither a new moon festival or a Sabbath, but she said it will be all right. Verse 24, so she saddled the donkey and said to the servant, hurry, don't slow down unless I tell you tell you to. As she approached the man of God at Mount Carmel, Elisha saw her in a distance and he sent his servant Gehazi. Look, the woman from Shunem is coming. Run out to meet her. Is everything all right with you, your husband and your child? Yes, the woman told Gehazi, everything is fine. But when she came to the man of God at the mountain, she fell to the ground before him and caught hold of his feet. Gehazi began to push her away, but the man of God said, Leave her alone. She is deeply troubled. But the Lord has not told me what it is. Verse 28, then she said, Did I ask for a son, my Lord? And didn't I say, Don't deceive me and get my hopes up? Then Elisha said to Gehazi, Get ready to travel. Take my staff and go. Don't talk to anyone along the way. Go quickly, lay the staff on the child's face. But the boy's mother said, As surely as the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I won't go home unless you go with me. So Elisha returned with her. Gehazi hurried on ahead and laid the staff on the child's face. Nothing happened. There was no sign of life. He returned to meet Elisha and told him the child is still dead. When Elisha arrived, the child was indeed dead, lying there on the prophet's bed. Number six, no one is free 
from trouble. The incredible blessing, the miracle of the Son, the incredible anointing that was on Elisha, and the, the favor of God that was on the woman at Shunem because she took care of the man of God, found herself in a situation that we all too often forget, that even when we're obedient and walking with Jesus, bad things can happen. No one is free from trouble. However, how you react in the middle of trouble will change everything. What did she do? She knew she didn't need to talk to Gehazi, the servant. She wanted to talk to Elisha, the prophet. I need to get to the one who has the authority in God to do something about this. Sometimes we make a mistake of telling too many people our business. And they can't do anything to help you. But remember, there is one that you can go to that will always be there to help you. No one is free from trouble. The woman was obedient, sincere, generous. But she had this great test of faith. The blessing was unexpected and then it slipped away. Her response speaks volumes. When trouble comes, hear me, not if trouble comes. When trouble comes, what will your reaction be? Will you run without slowing down to God? Or will you just accept it and give up? The temptation was, let me just bury my son and make funeral arrangements. But she knew in her heart that this blessing that God gave her was going to live again. Guys, you never know what God could be doing in this moment. You never know what God can do in the next moment. But the point is, keep running to God. She ran to him. She didn't just accept it, which brings me to number seven, in the fade. Principle to remember, it's not over until God says it's over. It's not over until God says it's over. Verse 33. He went in alone and shut the door behind him. He prayed to the Lord. Then he lay down on the child's body, placing his mouth on the child's mouth, his eyes on the child's eyes, his hands on the child's hands. And he stretched out on him. The, chi uh, the child's body began to grow warm again. Elisha got up and walked back and forth across the room once and then stretched himself out on the child again. This time, the boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. It's a miraculous story, but let me just give you a little side preaching for a second. I'm going to come out here. We believe in healing. We believe the model is in James to call the sick, to the elders of the church and let them be anointed with oil and lay on hands and pray the prayer of faith and they will be made well. So to put you at ease, we don't use this format for healing services. I just feel like it needs to be said 
You know, some Pentecostal churches are out there. I get it. I know. I just feel like I needed to say it. I, I'll go back up here and finish. <laughs> oh, we're, we're not going to do that. It is very peculiar. It is very unique. And I think the truth of the matter is God may ask you to do something that's very weird. That doesn't feel like, well, I don't, why would I walk up to this person I don't know and say God has a word for you? Why, 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 would, I, why would I pay it forward in the drive-thru and leave a note for someone? Which, by the way, I heard of a genius idea. We can go to the drive-thru, pay it forward. Anybody ever done pay it forward? I'm going to try pay it backward. Hey, the people behind me, they're going to take, take care of me. They're going to pay it <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it'll work. I don't know. <laughs> Settle down. Verse 36. Then Elisha summoned Gehazi, called the child's mother, he said. And when she came in, Elisha said, Here, take your son. She fell at his feet, bowed down before him, overwhelmed with gratitude. Then she took her son in her arms and carried him downstairs. It's not over till God says it's over. Man, get a hold of that one today. Sometimes it is alone behind closed doors we find the greatest miracle. The Bible tells us Elisha went in and he shut the door. When the woman from the, the widow who had the miracle of oil, she was instructed to go into the room and shut the door. And it's what happens in the quiet moments behind closed doors that can fashion and change most what comes next in your life. And he went, and he went into this room, and he prayed for this little boy. And the miracle happened. And it may take some time. And it may take a lot of trust. But God works in unique ways for unique situations. Friend, we got to get past trying to put God in a box. He doesn't fit. Ever. What worked last year may not work this year. What worked during COVID certainly ain't going to work during not COVID. But God is calling us to be creative and to hear his voice and to follow his lead. And I can guarantee you if God calls me to do it, I'm going to do it. No matter how weird you look at me. Because y'all do it anyway. So I might as well be being obedient to God. He prayed. He prayed and he prayed for this boy. He did the whole thing and his body began to be warm, but nothing, he did not come to life. So he got up, he walked around. I'm gonna pray again, I'm gonna pray again, I'm gonna pray again. When you pray and nothing happens, pray again. Then we have the sneeze, seven of them. I'm assuming the boy didn't have a mask on. <laughs> I don't know how Elisha reacted. Whoa! <laughs> it's still a little touch and go in restaurants and stuff, and you hear somebody, oh! <laughs> but the sneeze in and of itself is reactive. It's a, it, it's a physical thing that you can't control. You try, and you go... Think of a cow. Somebody said, think of a cow, and it goes away. doesn't work. 
You try, and then you react. Me and sneezing have a unique relationship. I hate it. I hate, I get mad when I sneeze. And then somebody says, God bless you. Stop it. What does this have to do with that? Sorry. I'm airing my soul to you. <laughs> so the kid sneezes seven times. And better preachers than me can build some kind of theology and some kind of truth on that, but I just think it's weird. But it was a sign of life. It was a radical thing that came out of nowhere. At the end of the day, the woman made a, made a response. The last thing that happens in our story today, the last thing I'm going to talk about, and then we're going to pray. And she calls her up and he says, take your son. She took her son in her arms and carried him downstairs. The last thing I want you to do today is to remember this. Take your miracle. God is sovereign. He's powerful. He's amazing. He loves you. He cares about you. And so many times we find ourselves desperately needing something from the Lord God. And he begins to move in our lives and we forget to take it. We, we forget to walk in obedience and now apply it. So the worst thing you can do today is walk out of here and not take a miracle. And say, well, yeah, that wasn't for me. Yeah, well, he wasn't talking to me. I'm talking to you. God is talking to you. You came here with a need. Take the miracle. Stand on it. The devil's a liar. You stand on the miracle that God is bringing your way. But I don't have it. But I don't see it. Take your miracle. He Jesus is coming back. And he needs people that have faith. And people that have faith take their miracle. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you came in here today and say, oh, it doesn't matter what it is, financial, relational, heartbreak. If you came in here today and you, had, you walked in needing a word and needing a miracle, slip that hand up right now. Now, if you slip that hand up, stand up. Shoot to your feet right now. Come on, all over the room. If you walked in needing a miracle and a move of God, stand up right now in the presence of God. Jesus, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, put both of those hands out like you're about to receive a gift. Come on. Whatever it is, as I'm praying, I want you to by faith say, Lord, I received this miracle. It is from you, and I stand on it now. When I pray, I want you to receive that miracle and take it home with you today. Lord Jesus, I pray right now for these people in this room that have stood up in faith and said they need a move from you. They need a miracle from you. God, you brought this boy back to life. You filled the, the, the widow's oil. You gave her all that she need and even leftovers to live on. God, we stand before you in need of a miracle. And I pray in Jesus' name 
that these people that have said they will take it, that this week will be the week that the evidence of the miracle becomes clear. No matter what it is, God, you know the need. And Lord, we're asking you in humility, but in faith, to meet this need, to work a miracle for your sake, for kingdom's sake, because Lord, we promise to say thank you and to give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Say amen like you received a miracle today. Hallelujah.